Welcome to broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Uh, this is a new series we're starting, Fan the Flame. It's Fan the Flame part 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that it may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Now here it is in verse 6. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you. This is key. It's not around you. It's not accessible to you. It is in you. This is the foundation of everything we'll talk about for the coming weeks because this is imperative for you to grow in your faith is to know that what you need in your faith is not something that you have to get from someone else outside of you or someone around you or a program or a group. Really, at the end of the day, Paul says to Timothy, the gift of God is in you. It's within you. And Paul, in speaking to Timothy, which is, Timothy is being mentored by Paul. Paul, at this time, at the writing of 2 Timothy, he is actually in prison. He's in prison, he's in chains, and he is writing this letter to Timothy. He doesn't know if he'll ever see him again, and Timothy is his young protege. He is pastoring many of the churches, and so Paul writes this letter, this book that we read, he writes it as a letter to Timothy, and he says to him, as he walks through all of these greetings, he says, I, I want you to remember to fan into flame the gift of God that is within you. So about just a little over a year ago, Jamie and I, we celebrated uh, 10 years uh, of marriage. We went to uh, Europe, and uh, we were traveling around. We went to Rome, and uh, when we were in Rome, uh, we actually went to the prison cell where Paul wrote uh, this book. And uh, we were there, and, and uh, there, there was the cell, and, and to, to actually be there was just like surreal. And uh, I, I remember writing in my Bible uh, in, in 2 Timothy the date and the time that, that not only that I read 2 Timothy, but, but where I was actually in the prison cell where Paul wrote it. It's different when it comes to life that way. It's, it's one of my, on my bucket list to go to the Holy Land and see the places where Jesus walked and, and the places where he interacted and healed and fed the 5,000 and died and rose again. I want to see the empty tomb. I want to see that it's, I, I want to make sure. I just want to look for myself, make sure it's empty. I think that'll help me a little bit. But to be there where Paul wrote this letter. It gives it context because when you read it, it's powerful, but to think about Paul and when we're in the cell, it's, there's, there's moisture. It's, it, it, it's, it's carved out of stone. He was deep in a hole. There was a grate over well, well above him that they would feed him through, that they would drop food to. And then there was a rock that was in the cell that had chains that he was chained to, and there, chained on the rock, 
He pinned the words to Timothy, and he must have thought it was pretty important because he wrote in the closing chapters of his life, and he tells Timothy, you have to make sure to fan it into flame. It was as if he was saying, what was in you doesn't happen naturally. God in his supernatural power and ability and foresight, he gave it to you. But it was your job, Timothy. It is your job, Timothy. It is our job to take what God has given us and to stir it up. To, to, to stir it up. I, I, I have a confession to make this morning before we, we dive too deep in. And some of you've heard it. Some of you heard it. Some of you know this. This is why our marriage needs a lot of prayer. I'm helpless, helpless, capital H, in the kitchen. Like, I, I don't know what to do in there. It, it just, it, it, looks, it looks frightening. I don't, I don't struggle with fear too much in my life except when I step in the kitchen and anxiety rises. I'm like, there is nothing here. I see nothing. Open the freezer and it haunts me. Open the fridge and it haunts me. The stove just looks foreboding. I just like to stay away from it all. I am a just add water guy. If you can give me one step, I can get it done. Just uh, throw that in there on high. Three minutes. Done. I can do that. I any more steps than, than one? And I have, I have some difficulty getting it done. So I like meals that, like, it's all prepared and you just do one step. You know, like, like, like Top Ramen. You know what I'm saying? Just put a little water in there. Stir it up. You're good. You know what? When, when God was creating you, he looked at you and said, they're not going to make it with many steps. He knows. David said this. He says, God, you know that I am but dust. That's what he says. He says, be gentle with me. You know how I am. You know that my frame is weak. That's what he said. He says, you know it. So, like, just be careful with me, God. And I think God looked at us and, and he gave us some compassion and probably gave us some practical building blocks and steps. And he loved us so much that he says, I'm going to put everything you need in you. Because if I don't put it in you, I don't know if you're going to get to it. If I don't put it in you, I don't know if you're actually going to catch it. If I don't put it in you, you might look to someone else or something else for the thing that you should be looking to me for. So I'm going to make sure that I pack it in you. But the one ingredient that you need to make it all work is me. And so I'm going to encourage you to fan into flame, to stir it up. I have it in you. But it's up to you to put it together. I have it in you, but it's up to you to put it together. Paul encourages Timothy to stir up the gift that was inside of him. It was already in him. The, the gift of God, many people talk about this, the gift of God, and people love to talk about the gifts. Right, we, we love to talk about the gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and this gift and that gift, and what gift do you have? And, and then people have gifts that are already not even in the Bible. And it's like, oh well, you know, that's, I have the gift of suspicion. That's not a gift. That's not there. It's, it's, it's like, it's, you can't find it. People start making up gifts, you know. It's like a gift for you and a gift for you, and everybody gets a gift. And everyone's got gifts. But the gift of God that was given to Timothy was actually not specifically a certain gift. The definition of, of the word gift actually alludes that it was a grace. It, it, it was power given for his specific journey. Or if I could say it this way, it was every gift that he would need for his specific assignment. 
See, the gift of God wasn't necessarily a package and this is your gift. You are a prophet. It wasn't that. It was, I'm going to give you some of this and I'm going to give you some of that. And you're going to go through that, so I'll give you some of that. And you're going to need some patience because you're going to have those kids. And you're going to have, you know, you're going you're to need some extra money because, you know, you married that woman. And, and, and he knows our path. And so he prepacks us with a grace for the assignment that he's telling us to walk into. So many of us, we have fear about the future, but we have failed to understand that God knew us bef like, like before. And if he knew us before, he looked at our path and he thought, man, I got to make sure I give him that. I got to make sure I'll give him that. And I got to make sure I'll give him that. And then I'll just give him one ingredient. If you stir it up, it'll work. And then we got believers all over the world that are looking outside of themselves, waiting for God to like wave a magic wand over them and for them to step into a new dimension and a new level of anointing so that they can carry out. And God's saying, if you would just stir up what I put in you, it would work. It's already there. We can give an altar call and go home right now because the gift that you're looking for, this is, the, this is like the giveaway. I'm giving it away already. You have it. You, you have, well, it doesn't feel like I have it. See, this is the trick about the gift is that in order, to, in, in order to see the gift work, you have to use it. It has to be exercised in order to grow. Every believer receives gifts from God. We receive all kinds of gifts. We receive the greatest gift that we were ever given is the Holy Spirit. We were given, the, it's the greatest gift that a believer could be given. Jesus said, I have to go so that I can send another. I can send the Holy Spirit. People say, I don't really believe in the Holy Spirit. Well, you know who like, will never leave you and never forsake you? It's not God. God's in heaven. It's not Jesus. He's at the right hand of the Father. It's the Holy Spirit. I don't like the Holy Spirit. He's kind of freaky. The Holy Spirit is the one who answers your prayers. The Holy Spirit is the one who works on the earth. The Holy Spirit is the one who convicts you, comforts you, heals you, teaches you. The Holy Spirit was God's greatest gift to us as believers. And then he gives us gifts. And this is where everyone gets like excited. He gives us gifts of the Holy Spirit. There are certain gifts. The Bible outlines all kinds of different spiritual gifts, motivational gifts. There are different gifts that are accompanied with the Holy Spirit. But then what this scripture is specifically talking about is there is a grace. A grace that is a gift. The grace is the ability to bridge the gap of my shortcomings in the assignment on my life. It, it is the go-between. It is what I need from get to here to get from here to there. It is what I am lacking. God provides. And then he says that there has to be a stirring of that gift. I like to say it this way. God gives every believer a grace for their race. Whatever the race God's called you to run, God's given you a grace to run it. It might be in business. It might be in ministry. It might be in missions. Whatever the race that God has asked you to run, there is also an accompanying grace that will empower you and move you and make sure you're successful in running it. And he says fan, fan into flame. The, the, the meaning of fan into flame actually means to stir it up. 
It means to rekindle. We talked about the re-words last week. It, it is to rekindle. It is to kindle again. It, is, it, it, literally, it literally means this, that like, like a fire as it's beginning to go out and you rekindle it or you revive it. The Greek word actually gives the picture of continuous ongoing action. This is where many of us struggle because we like the, like the one-stop shop. Like, I'm going to stir it up one time, and it better be stirred up for the rest of my... No, yeah, it's a continual stirring. It's just like people are like, I got, I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's it. No, you, it's a continually filling. That's why Ephesians says, be filled with the Spirit. Not one time, but continuously filled. So when Paul says, fan into flame, he is saying, I want you to rekindle. I want you to stir it again. Many people, um, when, when you study Paul and when you study Timothy and their relationship, believe that Timothy was actually a little insecure. Timothy was young, and later in the book, Paul actually speaks to him, a very popular passage that we've probably heard. says, do not let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example. The reason that Paul wrote that to Timothy, because Timothy was intimidated by his own lack of age. I remember years ago when I took over the church, and, and uh, uh, we, we had people that, that, that had come in, and, and uh, they'd been going to the church for a long time, or they were, came in new, and, 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 and they were older than I was. And some of them would say, well, we love the church, and we love you, Pastor. We just can't get over your age. And I'm like, that's literally the only thing I can do nothing about. <laughs> I mean, come back in 10 years? I, 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 I just like, we just can't get over it. You're just so, and I look a little younger than I am actually because I'm, I'm kind of getting there, but um, we can't get over your age. This is what Timothy encountered in the early church is people could not get over his age. And because of that, it presented or produced in him an insecurity to walk in the gift. And so Paul says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. He spoke to his insecurity. So when, when Paul is saying fan into flame, he wasn't just saying it to say it. He was actually speaking to some of Timothy's doubts and fears. And Timothy now, he even mentions in this passage that the last time that Paul saw him, he was in tears because Paul was leaving them. And they believed that was the last time that Paul would ever see Timothy. So not only is Timothy struggling with insecurity, now he's in grief because his mentor, his, the, the, the spiritual father, the man that has led them, led him, is now leaving and maybe he'll never see him again. And Paul said, Timothy, you can't neglect the gift of God. You can't neglect the grace for your race. You cannot neglect the things that God has put in you. This is what I found about the gift of God is usually the gift of God remedies some type of struggle that I'm currently walking in. So if I have a struggle, the gift that God's given me or the grace that God's given me usually remedies or helps me overcome that struggle. I fan into flame. I found this, whatever you don't work, won't work. This is true with the gift of God. If you will not work the gift of God, it will not work. God will not take you over. God will not make you a robot. God will not move your hands and move your feet and control your mind. He says, I'm going to give you all the ingredients. But you got to stir it up. You know, it's interesting, like ingredients, if you've ever baked. Um, I've watched people, people do that. 
And um, like one time I was watching my sister make these chocolate chip cookies that are amazing. And, and I started watching her put like the butter in. And I'm like, that, that seems like a lot of butter. I mean, I, I, that's a lot. Like, you know, it's like a cube of butter. Just, you know, I mean, I don't know if that was like her trick or specialty or if everybody does that, but it's, that's a lot of butter. I would never take that butter and just eat that much butter. But I'll eat her whole batch of cookies, which contains that the difference is that when you stir up ingredients, it produces something that it needs to produce. Many of us are balking at the gift of God or the grace of God because when you look at it all by itself, it does not seem very impressive. But if you would be faithful like a Timothy to stir and to fan into flame the gift of God, it will produce something for you. It will remedy something. I feel something this morning that at this service and in these campuses, God is trying to stir up the grace that is in you. I gotta, I gotta calm down. We got a long day ahead of us. I feel like God is trying to empower us to be what He's called us to be and to do what He's called us to do. But we've looked at certain ingredients and thought, my God, no way. I will not eat the butter. But we do. We, we do. Let me give you a couple of things about the gift of God. The, the gift of God is given for a purpose. It, it, it's, given, it's given for a purpose. It, it, it's not like God just throws gifts out of heaven. It's just sporadic. It's just like it's your birthday, so gifts. Uh, it's not that. It's specific. He looks at you. He looks at your assignment. He looks at your race, and he says, okay, grace because I need something different than you do you're strong where I'm weak I'm weak where you're strong so I need something different than you if God just broad stroked it it wouldn't be specific to relationship it would be just general but God doesn't love you generally he loves you specifically he loves you just the way you are he doesn't love a future version of you he loves the current version he even loves the past version. He loved, Bible says, while you were still sinners, while you were at your worst, that's when he chose us. And he said, I'm going to give him an extra portion of grace. I'm going to give him an extra portion of gifting because I have to help them run this race. I got to give it to them for a purpose. Exodus chapter 31, I love this in the Old Testament. It says, see, I've chosen. They're building the tabernacle. God speaks to Moses, and he says, I've chosen Be Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God. We love that. Filled with the Spirit of God. With wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge. We love all that. And he says, and all kinds of skills. Skills? Like, like what? Like you're good at hammering? Like a skill, like you can play an instrument, like a skill, like you can encourage people, like a, like a skill, like you're good at working, like a skill. Yeah, yeah, he talks about all the things we love and glorify, like the spirit of God and the wisdom of revelation. He talks about all that. Then he says, but I gave him also specific skills because wisdom and understanding wasn't going to build the tabernacle. He needed, he needed to give some people some skills. See, some of the things that you're despising in your life are things that God gave you 
for a purpose. We were just training some of our second year interns uh, this, this past week, and, and, I, and I told them that, that this specific scripture, because God's giving them skills. We look at the platform in the church. What's happening up here? But these are not the only skills. It takes, it takes a body to build the church. It takes a body to reach a city. It takes all of us working together, moving together, using our skills. The Bible actually talks about the church being the body. Different parts have different functions. We can't all be a mouth. we got a big one here. You know, God needs to deal with we, we have to work in the body to function for a purpose. You have a purpose on your life. It's not my purpose. It's not my assignment. It's not my race. It's specific to you. Well, I can't do stuff like so-and-so, and I can't do stuff. Yeah, I know you can't, but that's good. You don't want to do stuff like so-and-so. We don't want a fake version of you. We need the authentic version of you. you got to be you. We love to say this. The anointing only falls on authenticity. David was in the fields, and Samuel came looking for a king, and he starts pouring the oil on the next king to anoint the next king. But the oil would only flow on the next king. And so he went to David's older brother and poured the oil, and the oil didn't flow. He went down the line to every single one of the brothers, and no oil, no oil, no oil. And then he's like, is there any more sons? And Jesse had forgotten, because when you have more than seven, you start forgetting, you know. And... <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, David. He's out, out in the fields to bring David. So David comes in, and he pours, and the oil flows. The oil only flows on authenticity. What God gives you is for a specific purpose. It is a specific assignment. It is, well, I'm not really called the ministry, Pastor. It's not, it's not vocational ministry that God anoints. It's skills. Talk about a practical skill that you have. I'm just really good at serving people and making people feel good. That, that's a skill. I'm just really excellent. I like things nice. That's a skill. And come talk to me afterwards. I'd like to hire you. Um, it's a skill. Those skill sets are given by God. They're given by him for a purpose. God gave these people specific skills to build the house of God. The gift is given for a purpose, but the gift is also given to glorify God. Now, this is where we get things a little bit messed up because we think our natural skills are just things that, like, we were born with. I've just got a great personality. People love me. God gave that to you. Whatever has worked in the world for you will work in the kingdom for you. And whatever worked in the world was actually God's gift to you that you're using on yourself that you should be using for him because God is glorified when we use what he gave us to honor him that's why worship glorifies God because we're turning our attention we're glorifying him that's why worship is not a song it's not something that we do on Sunday worship is how I live my life because I glorify God with what I have and when I use my skills for his purpose and to glorify him that is my form of worship some of you, that's going to like free somebody up because you're like, I never did like the songs. You can still worship. I didn't like that singing. It was too loud for me anyways. That's okay. You can still worship. Like you're really good at encouraging people. Go worship. Well, it's encouraging people worship. It is using the skill set God gave you, not on you, but to glorify him. 
when I use what God gave me to glorify Him, it is worship. Because we are saved, we are called to serve. That's how this thing works. He saved us, and now we need to serve. Because I'll explain it this way. Relationships are built on reciprocity. You know, reciprocity. It's, it's reciprocal, which means if I give to you, but you never give to me, it's not reciprocal. A relationship that always gives or always takes without something on the other side will not work. But it's interesting with our relationship with God, it's very one-sided at times. We want him to give and him to bless and him to prosper us and him to heal us and him to come through and him to break through. But where is the reciprocity? The way I can be reciprocal in my relationship with God is I give what he gave me and I use it to glorify him. If he gave you finances, use it to glorify him. If he gave you encouragement, use it to glorify him. If he brought you through a fire, use it to glorify him. If you had a bad past, use it to glorify whatever he gave you. Use it to glorify him. My relationship with Jamie... My wife has to be reciprocal. If I take, 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 and never give, it will leave her empty, me full, and this will break apart. But if she gives to me and I give to her, give, take, give, take, we both are giving, it is reciprocal. In your relationship with leaders, in your relationship with mentors, in your relationship with bosses, in your relationship with God, all those relationships should be reciprocal. You come and eat this word and devour this message and it blesses you, it should be reciprocal. It should, every relationship in your life should have reciprocity. There is no relationship in anyone's life, in this room, in heaven or on earth, that you should just take, 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 take without giving. It has to have reciprocity. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10, it says this, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received, all your gifts, not just spiritual gifts, like just practical things, your skills, you should use them to serve others. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms, if anyone speaks, they should do as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides. Good to know he provides strength for you to serve. So that in all things, God may be praised. That's why. That's, that's why we use the grace for the race we use his skills and his, the talents that he's given us for him to build this so that God might be praised. So when people come to me and say, wow, how did you, man, I just want to give thanks to God who gives me the ability, who gives me the strength. We begin to defer by worship because we're using our gifts not for us, our selfish agenda, but we're using them to glorify God. The gift is given with a purpose. It's given to glorify God. And, and this is where many of us get stuck because the gift is given unfinished. And this is every week we'll touch on this because the gift is given unfinished. Otherwise... God would never tell us, or Paul would never write to Timothy, that you have to fan it into flame. 
you got to rekindle it. you got to stir it up. you got to get it going. This is why when we come into worship, I don't like just sitting back and just like letting worship go by. I want to use it to corporately stir us. That's why some of you came in it's like, I've never been in a church like this. This is wild. These people are crazy. That's right. Because we came to stir something up. Anything that's not stirred up becomes stale. And I don't got time on a weekend to go to a stale church. I don't got time on a weekend to sit in a stale meeting. I came to be stirred up. I came to be empowered. I came to be invigorated. I came to be charged up so I can face the race that God has called me to. That I can use his gifts to carry out my assignment. And I want to do it well. But to do it well, I've got to use it well. Which means I have to Stir it up. Your gift will never be developed if it is not used. Well, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait until the gift's like ready. The gift's never ready. Because the gift always requires faith. Because the gift came from God. So in order to use it, I have to step out in faith. So that means on this side of the step, I will never feel like it's ready. It is always in the step that grace is given. Jesus healing the ten lepers, and he says, as they went, they were healed. But before I went and showed myself to the priest, if I was a leper, I would say, I want to make sure this is good. Because I don't want to show up and be like, hey, it's me. You know, you, you remember the leper? I'm healed. And he's like, no, you're not. Get out of here. I don't want that. We don't want to be embarrassed. But, 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 but a gift from God requires faith to say, God... I'm not sure about this. For some of you, it even could be like getting in a group. I'm not sure about it. I'm not sure if I'm really committed. I'm not sure if I'm all in on this church. It seems a little crazy and people are a little wild and that pastor's young and, and it, like whatever it is, you know. But it might require faith for you to step out and to step in to a new level where you begin to see your gift work. There's nothing like seeing a gift work. It was uh, years ago, I was speaking at a, at a youth camp, and uh, we were at CFNI, Christ for the Nations, in Dallas, and, and uh, I was preaching, and as I was preaching, I heard, we believe that we can hear the voice of God, I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me and say that in the balcony there was someone who was contemplating suicide. I'm preaching, and I can hear that. When you're, when, you're, when you're preaching, there's two conversations going on in your head. There's a conversation that is coming out of your mouth, and then there's another conversation. Like, is he asleep again? Is, and you know those, those ones. Because, um, like, you can actually see from up here. It's, it's wild, I know. In, in youth ministry, it was wild. Like, like, literally on the third row, there's this couple, like, and we're like, they're, like, in seventh grade. They're just making out on the third row. And I'm like, y'all know I can see you, right? I mean, that's, anyways. So there's two conversations going on in your head, and, and um, in the back of my head, I keep on hearing the Holy Spirit say, there's someone here that's struggling. They already have a plan. They are planning to take their life. You, you have to say something. And I feel, like, afraid. I don't want to say anything. That's, I don't want to embarrass anyone, but then it's life and death. So I take a stab at it. I finish my message, and I say, hey, this might be someone, it might not, but I feel like somebody here specifically, and I felt like I knew right where they were, specifically in the balcony, right there. You don't have to raise your hand. Actually, yes, everyone bow your heads. So I had everybody bow their heads, close their eyes. 
I'm like, if this is you, I need you to respond because I want to pray for you. The enemy is fighting for your life, but God's going to set you free tonight. Sounds good, doesn't it? Nobody responded. Nobody. I'm like, you're right there. Really? You're right there. I look like a fool. Put your hand up. Like, that's what's happened in my head. Night ends. People respond to God, but I'm embarrassed. I feel like I missed God. Go to bed that night, wake up the next morning, and I got to preach again. Not as much faith as I had the night before. And I get up, and I'm speaking to youth pastors, which is the worst group of people to speak to. Because they want everyone to listen to them, but they're really bad at listening to others. You've never, you've never, you've never been more discouraged than you go to a conference and you see pastors worship. It's like, do y'all worship, or you just ask other people to worship? It's like, shouldn't, shouldn't. anyways, another, another, another story for another time. So I preach this entire thing, and whatever, get done, and this guy comes down the aisle, and he grabs my hand, and he puts a note in it. He closes my hand. He says, with tears in his eyes, he says, thank you. I said, okay. He walked away. Later, when I got away from everybody, I opened up the note, and says, I was the kid in the balcony. And I looked at one of my old Bibles before I came out here today, and I have it. I found that note. I was the kid in the balcony. I just started thinking, how many people are just waiting on the other side of our obedience? It's so easy to self-preserve and to watch out for us and what we want, the type of church that we want, what people should be doing. But, but then, like, the gifts of God are given to glorify Him. And I thought I missed it. That's the crazy thing is a lot of times faith feels like failing. It never feels like it looks. It never feels like it looks like when you see me walk on the stage and the geysers go off and the screen comes down and I look confident. That doesn't mean I'm confident. I'm just like you, like God, do something today. In the couple minutes that we have together and the words that we share, help it not be empty, help it not be stale, but help it be full of your life. Help somebody be a kid in the balcony. If there could just be one, just one in the balcony, just one in Wiley, just one online that hears the words on the other side of obedience, on the other side of the gift. If there's just one somewhere, some way. That's what Paul said to Timothy. He says, stop looking at the haters. Timothy, stop listening to the haters. Listen to me. Fan into flame the gift of God. I'm a pastor. I'm a businessman. I'm doing all right. No, you're not. There's more. You're not doing bad. There's just more. What are you called to? What are you, what are you called to? Well, I don't really know, pastor, what I'm called to. That's part of your journey. That's part of your journey is to begin to say, God, my life is yours. My gifts are yours. Let me know how I can use them. And what I, would, what I would recommend is you just start small. Just start using them somehow, some way. Find a place to serve. Stand at the front doors and greet people. Work in the nursery. Do something. Help park people. Drive those golf carts around. That looks like fun anyways. Do, do something to start seeing where your gift starts to jump. Because you'll do something you say, oh, yeah, I did it, but I didn't love it, or I didn't see God's favor on it. 
So then you try something else. But one of these times, when you extend your faith, you're going to see that thing jump. When I was 16 years old, I preached my first message. And at that point, I probably was planning on being about 17 different things in my life. But when I preached when I was 16, something jumped. I said, oh, what was that? It was like, there, was, there was favor on it. I felt afraid, but I saw it work. It's just like, this thing, this is something. That's how you find your gift. That's how you find your gift. You, you step out of it and you feel f- afraid. You feel like scared. You feel like, am I doing this right? Should I be doing this? I don't even like these people in this group. I don't even like, I don't even like waving at people. I, I, I don't, I don't wh- whatever. But you see it start to work. You start hearing testimonies. Oh, yeah, I wasn't even going to come into church because I couldn't find a parking spot and it's crazy out there. But this person met me and they encouraged me and they, they calmed all my fears and I came in and I, all that begins to happen. You say, oh, I have a gift. All of a sudden at work, there's a problem, a situation, nobody can solve it. You find yourself in there and you ask God for wisdom and you step in and all of a sudden you can solve problems that other people can't solve. Instead of saying, wow, I'm pretty good at reconciliation, understand that God is highlighting to you a gift. And when you use that gift knowing it comes from God, it gives him glory. And that's what it's there for. Every time, every single time, every single time you step out in faith, you have to step out or over fear. Every time you step out in faith, you have to step over fear. How do you fan into flame the gift of God? You begin by stepping out in faith. And in stepping out of faith, you're going to have to step over some fear. That you'll fail, that you'll mess up, that nobody will respond, that people won't recognize it. Listen, it's not about people recognizing your gift. God gave it to you. It's about you using it. But I will say this. If you use it, it'll work. So don't go trying to chase down gifts that look good but don't work for you. That's somebody else's gift. If it doesn't work, it's not. The Bible says a man's gift makes room for him. So if it's not making room for you, it might just be a desire and not actually a. That's for free. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.